This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Doing awesome? You should be. It's a great day. Not only be in church, it's a great day to be a follower of Jesus. We are doing just this greatest thing this morning. And uh, I'm going to lead us in a prayer about it in just a minute. But we are providing turkeys for 300 families today. That is a very cool thing. You know, most of us, most of us live lives that are pretty blessed. Most of us know, by and large, where we're going to sleep tonight. Most of us know, by and large, what we're going to eat today. In fact, if we have trouble with food, it's deciding which of the many options that lay in front of us would would actually please our palate most right now. Am I right about that? Yeah. Most of us go to a closet, and we're not looking in the closet because there's three things to wear. We're looking in the closet because there's all these things to wear, and we're trying to figure out which one would tickle our fancy today. And we get the opportunity to provide a Thanksgiving turkey for 300 families who many of them do not have any, any of those options. So I want us to pray. Would you join with me, Father? I, I just thank you for the privilege you've given us as a church to step just out into the front lines and to provide food for 300 families. And God, I pray that they would receive and know that these turkeys that this food is a gift from people who have been taught how to love and deeply care by you. And that that somehow they would connect, that you care for them. In the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their trials, in the midst of their challenges in this life, that there would be a message that you care, that you love, and that you are providing for them. And God, I pray that they would be drawn to you. And that they would have lots to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. I pray right now that you would teach us from your word. And that you would challenge in us what shouldn't be there. And that you would build up in us what should be there. And that we might leave this place having a better understanding and being more fully committed to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And together we pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Uh, For those of you who are brand new to New Life, let me introduce you to a couple of tools. I want to say welcome every Sunday. There are always many new people in our church, and we're blessed and happy that it's that way. So welcome to the gang. Uh, The first tool I want to introduce you to, both of them, by the way, are found in your program. So if you take your program and pull out this card that says start here, that would be an appropriate place to begin. This is what we around here call our Connect card because it gives you the opportunity to connect directly to our staff. You can request information. You can pass along a prayer request about something that's going on in your family, and we will pray for you and your family in the coming week. gives you the opportunity if you want to volunteer for ministry or pretty much anything you want to do in our church, you can find a way to put it on this card. So on, on the front side is a place that says Contact Information. Please take just a moment to fill that out. We all do every Sunday, uh, so you, you won't need to feel alone in that. And at the very end of our service, we'll be passing baskets, and, and you can put those in the baskets. 
And then the second tool is this sheet of notes. It's fill-in-the-blank notes. And for those of you who come all the time, you're already looking at that going, how am I going to fill that thing out? It's sideways on there, all right? So this is going to be fun. Um, This is the last sermon in our series called Not a Fan. Now, don't get confused. We still have a few more weeks in our Not a Fan life groups, but this is the last Sunday teaching on the subject, and and I'm super excited to be able to share with you this morning for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I love to share with you things that God is showing me out of His Word, but this morning I get the privilege of sharing with you something that God revealed to me about a week and a half or two weeks ago when I was working my way through one of those daily journals, you know, the three times a day that we're doing, and I sat down to meet with God, and the next thing you know, God started speaking things into my life, and I got up from where I was doing my not-a-fan journal, and I went in, I fired up my computer, and uh, I, I just started writing down what God was saying to me. And I've had the greatest time over the last 10 days or so just living this out. And I'm going to tell you a little bit later how I live it out. But for this morning, I'm, I'm going to just, um, at the beginning, I'm going to teach you information and then we'll get into the second half a little bit later. In one of the DVDs, Kyle Eidelman says, he introduces us to two Greek words. And the first Greek word was the Greek word kurios, which means Lord. And he said, and it's, it's very true, that the word kurios actually belongs to the world of slavery. And the Lord was the owner of the slaves. And he said, you cannot say kurios without inferring that there's a doulos or a slave or servant. And he was challenging us, and rightfully so, that when you and I stand to our feet and we sing about Jesus as Lord, we are implying if Jesus is Lord, we are what? We are servants or slaves. Now, when you first think about that, that sounds kind of demeaning, right? Shake your head like this. Of course. If I greeted you this morning at the door and I said, Welcome to church, slave Bill. How's your obedience? You know, some of you would step back and look at me and go, What? But that is a basic teaching of the New Testament. And But then Kyle said... The great thing about signing on with Jesus and becoming a servant or a slave of Jesus, and he mentions two things. First of all, when you become a slave of Christ, he sets you free from all the things that destroy your life. So in the end, we really have two choices. We can be a slave to the things that destroy our life, or we can be a slave to Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus said? If the Son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. It's one of the great paradoxes of Christianity, how that becoming a servant or a slave of Jesus actually enables us to step into freedom. I hope to be able to connect the dots for you on that in just a little bit. Second thing he said is the great thing about signing on with Jesus as your curios is that he invites you to become more than a slave. 
He invites you to become a son or a daughter. And so that really sparked something in me. And this morning, um, I want to ask you a question, okay? Now, you're in church, so you should know the answer to this question. Are you ready? I'm going to want you to, I'm going to want you to say the answer out loud. So here we go. Is Jesus enough? What's the answer? Yes. You sure? Yes. Is Jesus enough? Yes. yes. Well, I would disagree with that. And I'll bet you never thought you were going to hear that at church. <laughs> okay? I want to teach you a different answer. Okay? Because the real answer to is Jesus enough is this. That depends. So now I want you to say that because I want you to hear it. Is Jesus enough? Yeah. That sounds weird, huh? But that really is true. So I'm going to break out a chart that God gave me to sort of capture all this stuff. Are you ready to write? Here we go. And we're going to take the bottom level, and that is the doulos level. Because... That's where we all begin. The purpose of any serve or any sla- or any servant or any slave is service. Okay? So when you say I am the doulos of Christ, I am the servant of Christ, and Paul would write and begin many of his letters in the New Testament, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Peter would write Peter, a servant of Jesus Christ. James, who was the brother of Jesus, the physical half-brother of Jesus, because he was one of Mary's other sons, James begins his letter and says, James, a servant of Jesus. The purpose of any servant or slave is service. The affinity to the owner is this. It's one of ownership slash employment. Every servant, that's the only relationship they had with the owner, and, and so what did that mean in terms of proximity? It means that if you ever found the servant and the owner in the same place at the same time, it wasn't because the servant came up and said, Hey, boss, can I just hang out? If you ever saw the servant and the owner together, it was because the owner had summoned the slave. And the deal was, you come when you're asked. You come when you're summoned. Information. Servants are always kept on a need-to-know basis. The boss or the owner says, I'll tell you what you need to know, and you don't ask questions about things you don't need to know. Have you ever had a boss like that at work? Of course. You understand how that works, right? It might not be very fun, but that's how it worked. And last of all, what the servant could expect is wages. I serve you. You give me food and lodging and some money. That's how it worked in Jesus' time. The employment deal is I serve you and you pay me wages and I go out and buy my own food and lodging, right? But basically, it comes down to wages. Now, Jesus said a very interesting thing. Let me read you a couple of passages of Scripture about the servant one and we'll move on to the friend one. Okay? Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, that's that word kurios, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually underline this, do the will of my Father in heaven, will enter. So he's saying, this is where everyone begins. 
And I'll tell you why in just a little bit. But everyone starts in the kingdom of God at the servant level. Peter would write later, because Peter was there and heard Jesus say, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. So Peter says, you are free, yet you are what? You are God's slaves. There's that interesting paradox. So that's where we all begin. But now let's look at the next scripture because Jesus says something to us in this next scripture. He said it to his disciples in John. He said, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my, what's the next word? Friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. So when we move up a little bit further, we get this relationship that the Greek word is philos. And those of you who are into etymology of words will recognize Philadelphia is what? The city of brotherly love comes straight from the Greek word philos. Jesus says, I no longer call you doulos. I'm calling you philos because you're my friend. Because I've shared with you everything. Now the purpose of friendship, and let's go to the chart. The purpose of friendship is enrichment. That's why we have friends. If, if, if somebody hangs out with us and they're always a drain on us, do we call them friends? Not long. Right? No, they're just a project. The friends are people who actually enrich our lives. And the affinity of a friend is a personal relationship. Now listen, many times Kevin and I stand on this stage and we invite you into a personal relationship with Jesus. Are we inviting you here or here? Are we inviting you to be a slave? No, we're actually inviting you to become the friend of Christ. The proximity of a friend, <laughs> if I'm going to be your friend and you look at me and say, look, if I want you in my life, I'll ask you to come. Other than that, please stay out. We don't have a friendship relationship because friends have this wonderful thing between them that they have the freedom to come into each other's lives without invitation. If for my friend, you can show up at my house without having to call me ahead of time and make an appointment. You're my friend. You can just show up. You can show up at work and just knock at my door. Say, hey, can I take you to lunch? The answer will usually be yes. Just teasing, all right? But I do have some friends who do that. That's just an awesome thing. The proximity is this personal relationship. You come when you, whenever you desire. And when it comes to information, we don't keep our friends on a need-to-know basis. When it comes to information, it is mutually and freely shared. That's why we're friends. And last of all, sort of what you can expect to get, this is not why you have friends, but one of the byproducts of a friendship is that you end up with some gifts because friends buy gifts for their friends. They're not wages. If somebody gives you a gift and it's a friendship gift, do you look at it and go, man, I earned that? If you did, that's not much of a friendship. 
Okay? That's a project. That's how, that's how friendships work. And Jesus says, I invite you. Let's go to the last level. Because Jesus not only says, I invite you to be my friends, He wants us eventually to understand that we are God's sons or daughters. And you will see... The, word, the Greek word weos there, it technically means son, but to the world in which they, this was written, it also inferred daughter. Okay, The Bible says you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Can I talk to you for a minute about that? Any of you grow up in a church that you were all the time made to be, feel afraid and guilty? Because you were going to hell unless God was really in a good mood the day you died. Right? Yeah? Now the Bible clearly says that that's not how God works. You haven't received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own, what's the next word? Children. That's, that's this concept. The concept of son or daughter. Now we call him Abba Father. And I know Abba doesn't mean anything to us. But <clears throat> it's, it's a word that when you're a small child, it's daddy. And when you get older, it's hey dad. It's all the same concept. It's, it's a family term. It's a term of endearment. And it's one that you would never use with anyone else. It's just reserved for your own father. For his spirit joins with our spirit. And I don't have time to break that all out this morning, but I just want to tell you this. When you start to catch on to this principle, the spirit of God begins to join with your spirit on the inside. And here's what it's going to do. It's going to affirm that we are God's children. And then he throws this little tagline on there. And since we are his children, we are his what? Wow. Let's go back to our chart and fill it out. the purpose of children is legacy. It's not the only purpose, but it's a core purpose. one One of the things that separates my children from all the other people in the world that I know is they have my DNA in them. A piece of me lives in them. And wherever they go, and for as long as they live, they will take a chunk of me with them, and they now have children of their own, and they have taken a piece of my DNA and put it in those grandchildren. It's the legacy, the blood, flesh and blood legacy that I get to leave as a father. And it's that legacy that separates our children from all of the people on the face of planet Earth. The affinity is this is a family relationship. It's not a slave relationship. It's it's not a friend relationship. It's a family relationship. The proximity is my family doesn't just come whenever they feel like it. Families live together. They share life together fully. What does that mean about information? It means that my family has information about me that you will never get. Got it? That's just how it works. They're family. We have this 
sort of full disclosure deal in families. And then what's the reward? The reward in a family is the expectation of an inheritance. Which is why when Paul writes and Peter writes, they talk about the Spirit of God that teaches us that we are the sons and daughters of God. And he throws on that tagline about receiving an inheritance. Now listen, put your notes down. I'm not going to give you any more blanks to fill. There's nothing else to write. I just want to talk to you for the remaining time. Because the rest of this, it's all about application. Where the good stuff is. Everyone enters the kingdom of God right down here. Everyone starts out as a servant. And by the way, the concept of a servant, the one thing that's always required of a servant is obedience. Which is why everyone enters the kingdom of God right here. Why does God work so hard at getting us to learn obedience first? By the way, in, in other places in the Bible, this whole process is called spiritual maturity. Okay? Why does God start with obedience? Because until you learn to trust God and obey Him in what He says, you will never stop the destruction in your life. By the way, when your little kids, ages 1 to 3 or 4, what's the primary thing that parents should be working on during those years? Have you figured it out yet? Obedience. Because if you don't teach your child to obey, by the time they're three or four years of age, they will spend the rest of their life trying to fight rebellion and selfishness and all the other things that are in their life because they've never learned to yield themselves to someone else's authority. And one of the first things that God wants us to learn is as long as you do what feels good to you, as long as you do what seems good to you, as long as you do what you want to do, then God says, I can never set you free from the destructive habits in your life. So God invites all of us to come here because the first thing that every parent wants for their child is that their child would stop the destructive behavior. Am I right about that? If you've had children that have had destructive behavior, you know what I'm talking about. So this is where God invites us. Now the the problem is, (laughs) most people hang out here their whole life. Their whole Christian life, they're hanging out here. And they're, they're trying to determine what's right and what's wrong. And they're trying to excuse their behavior if it disagrees with Jesus. And it's all about what's right and what's wrong. And if you grew up in a church, I laugh. I, I had such a wonderful childhood, lived in such a great family. But the theology was a little tweaked. And I tell people all the time, <laughs> we never had Ten Commandments when I grew up. We just had one. That's not anything. <laughs> it was all wrong. Yeah, and we considered faithfulness to God by how well you kept all of God's commandments. You know, it's <laughs> my daughter bought a stove the other day, and I was reading through the owner's manual. You know how whacked we get when we get religion? 
And religion is really the reduction of all of this to right here. This is religion. It's all the do's and the don'ts. So my daughter buys a stove and I was helping her husband put it in and I was looking through the owner's manual and there's a Sabbath mode on that stove. I'm not kidding you. There's a Sabbath mode on the stove. For those of you who have never studied the Bible or the Old Testament, the deal on the Sabbath was you couldn't work. So I was intrigued. What is a Sabbath mode on a stove? I went on to read. It disables all of the controls so you can't punch a control on the Sabbath and work. But it does not disable the delayed start. So before the Sabbath begins, you load everything in the oven that you want and you set the delayed start. The oven can work on the Sabbath, but you don't. Isn't that wacky? Now, I I don't want to make fun of any of our Jewish friends. That's not what that's about. What I want you to understand is this is where the arguments arise in, in, in Christianity. And this is where people get religious and churchy. It's where they argue about what kind of dress you can wear and what the dress code ought to be at church or what the dress code ought to be on the platform or what kind of music is appropriate in the church when it comes to style or all kinds of stuff gets down here. Can I tell you that if you hang out down here all of your life, I want to tell you two things. Number one, you're still saved. Okay? Number two, Jesus will never be enough. Never be enough for you. You know why? Because in your heart of hearts, you know that life has to be more than getting up in the morning and keeping commandments and going to bed. And if that's where you choose to live with Jesus, I want to tell you the rest of your life you'll be buying cars and houses and clothes and looking for what happiness you can find in life because you have never gotten into where the good stuff is. And you'll live right here and you'll be a religious person but you'll keep looking elsewhere for your happiness. Because Jesus invites you, now that you've learned obedience, and by the way, I have two children in their 30s and one in his 40s. Obedience is a way of life for them now. They don't have to live in that constant context. And guess what? When you submit to Christ and you yield your life to Him right here, and obedience becomes a way of life instead of something you focus on all the time, you have the freedom now to become Jesus' friend because He's not having to work in your life on obedience all the time. But if you never actually make obedience a way of life and you continually push back against Christ and you continually argue with Him about the commands that He's giving you and you continually justify your disobedient behavior, you cannot move up here. You will live all of your life down here trying to prove that your religion is okay. Am I making sense to anybody? Yeah, that amen was not real thundering. Okay? But I want to tell you right up front that this is where most of us naturally go. You know why? Because when you stay down here, you can check off the commands 
of Jesus in your life, and then you can just go on and live the rest of your life however you want to. Because it means Jesus has less control of your life than he does up here. Just like your boss has less control of your life than your wife or your husband. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's true. But that's not where the good stuff is. The good stuff's up here. I'll tell you why the good stuff's up here. Sometimes people say to me, Pastor, oftentimes you will say to me that God shared this with you or God revealed this to you or whatever it is. Can I tell you that God doesn't reveal stuff to me down here other than what I should or shouldn't be doing in my life? But friends share information mutually and freely. And when you and I begin to step up into this, then God begins to reveal Himself to you personally. And God begins to share with you things about Himself and things about life that you would never learn down here because now you are the friend of God. Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends because I share everything with you. That's why it's good. It's why some people when they go to their devotions and they're living only on this level, they're just reading the Bible. They're just saying a few obligatory prayers. And when they get up from that time of devotion with God, they don't feel exhilarated. They don't feel energized for the day. Nothing really happened there except for God pointed out one or two more commands they need to be working on. I couldn't endure that. But when you start getting up into this level, then your walk with Jesus takes on a whole new dimension. And when you dare to go to this level... It gets even richer and deeper. This is where the Spirit of God is continually pulling you if you're a follower of Christ. God's Spirit testifies with your spirit that you, you just read it. Didn't we read it from His Word? The Spirit of God, the Spirit that's in you, testifies with your spirit that you are God's child. Now, wouldn't it be sad if someone who was created to be God's child chose to live only as God's servant and showed up every morning and said, okay, Dad, give me my list. I'm off to do my list. And once I do this, you promise you won't bug me? No one would want a child like that. In fact, in the story of the prodigal son, When the prodigal son got mad, took his inheritance, went out and spent it with prostitutes and just messed it all up. And and finally he ended up feeding pigs. And the Bible says when he was feeding the pigs, he looked at the food he was giving the pigs and he was so hungry that pig food looked good. And there's a moment in there where the Bible says he came to himself. You ever had those epiphanies, those moments where all of a sudden everything became clear? And he said, my father's servants, these guys have it better than I do. Why? Because I'm living down here, not even up to this level. And he said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to apologize to my dad. And I'm going to say to him, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I just want to be one of your servants. And he went back to his dad. And the Bible says his dad saw him a long way off. And his dad got up and he ran to greet him. 
And he threw his arms around him. And the son got down on his knees and said, Dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I just want to be one of your servants. And what did the dad say to him? Okay, I'll take you that way. No. He said, get up. You're my son. You have something in you, something in your spirit that says this is where you belong. Not here. You start here. But God's spirit continually pulls you here. And that's a challenge that God gives you. Because friends, I can tell you it is really hard to be a follower of Jesus and stay on that level. I tried that a lot of my life. I couldn't do it. I could not hack it. But when you start following at this level and this level, you get drawn to God. You're not driven there by the commands. You get drawn to God. And when you get drawn to God, there's something about that that's so exhilarating and powerful and life-changing. And can I say habit-forming? It is. It is. It's why Jesus said, the greatest command in the world, you all know it. What is it? You shall love the Lord your God. You think he was talking this kind of love? This kind of love, this kind of love, right? You will love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Now let me show you how I've lived that out over the last few days. And, and, uh, and then um, take your notes. Now you can pick up your notes again on the back side. There's a place to record two ways to respond. And the first is deciding to become a Christian. And I'm going to speak openly to those of you who have never officially become Christians. Maybe you've been at church for a long time. Maybe your parents, you know, sort of took you to a church and you figured out somewhere along the line I must have become a Christian. That's not how it works. You don't just sort of slide and get absorbed into the kingdom of God. It starts with the decision that you personally make. If you haven't made that decision, I want, I want to say to you that God invites you to start right here. Because... His first agenda is that you would come and kneel at the foot of the cross as an obedient follower of Jesus so he can begin to break the destructive habits, patterns, activities in your life. Like every child of God, he wants obedience to become a way of life for you because it takes the stress out of life. And that's where you need to begin, and it begins with the decision to follow Christ. And so if you're making that decision this morning, check that box. You can expect to hear from me later this week because I'll walk you through what that looks like. Now for the rest of us, it's important that we would learn not just, oh, this stuff is up here. Now mentally I know what's up here. I'll give it my best shot. I want to tell you how this works, or at least how it's worked in my life over the last several days. During those three times, when I'm checking in with God and I'm going through the journal and, and all that good stuff and allowing God to challenge in my life whatever needs to be challenged in my life, I have this check-in time with God. And um, Daniel, w- would you put the full complete chart back up uh, on the screens for us? Because one of the things that I do is I say, God, I'm here. I'm checking in as your servant. Okay. 
I'm here for whatever commands you have for me. I'm here for whatever instructions you have for me during this next portion of my day. I'm here to say my ears are open to your voice. And if there's someone you want me to pray with, I'm ready to pray with them. If there's something in my life that you don't want me to do that I'm currently doing, my ears, my heart, my my mind is open to you. I am here. I'm reporting for duty. I am your servant. And I'm so blessed that you are my master. Because there's not a command you're going to give me that isn't going to be good for me and good for the people around me. So here I am. If you want me to come, I'll come. And, and I just love being with you. And then I move on to the next one. But God, I'm also reporting in as your friend. And listen, the first time I prayed through this, it was a shocker for me. Because what's the purpose of friendship? Read it off your chart. What's the purpose? That wasn't real loud. What's the purpose? Have you ever said to God, God, I'm here to enrich your life. That sounded a little pompous to me at first. How can I enrich God's life? Friends, there is no such thing as a friendship where only one side gets enriched. That's not friends. God, I'm here to enrich your life. I'm here to bring a smile to your face. And I love the fact that I can come to you whenever I want to. Not just when you summon. I can come whenever I want to. And I'm here right now. Not because you've summoned me. I'm here because I'm your friend. God, I love to hang out with you. It's amazing how that begins to change how you look at yourself. In how you look at your own relationship with God. And oh, by the way, God, I know that friends mutually and freely share, so I share stuff with you I don't share with anybody else because you're my friend. And oh, yes, I know that you reveal things to me here that you would never reveal to me here. So God, if you want to show me something out of your word... If you want to show me something about yourself, I'm in. I'm in. And, oh yes, one other thing, God. I'm also checking in as your son. I love that I have your DNA in me. I love that I'm your kid. I love that I get to pass on your legacy to the people around me. I love that you share everything with me and you tell me things you don't tell anybody else because we're family. And I so look forward to I don't know what that inheritance is going to be. I don't know. But God, it doesn't make any difference because if the inheritance comes from you, I'm in. And I'm counting on it because I'm your kid. Listen, if I could wish anything for every person here, it's that you would come to know God at this level. Because when you know God at this level, It's the greatest way to live. 
And when God asks you to do something, it's never a chore. Because you're family. I want to pray. Father, I pray for my friends. There's a lot of dots to connect here. And I know, I, I just confess, God, that it was my tendency for years, and it still can be, if, if I just let this principle slip. It's just so natural to slide into being religious and to hang out down there in servant land and to, and to try to justify ourselves by making sure we've kept all the commands. Going to church when we're supposed to and giving when we're supposed to and working a little bit in ministry when we're supposed to and patting ourselves on the back that we fulfilled our religious obligations. And, and, and you said, there's whole new levels that you've called us to where the good stuff is. So Lord, for those who haven't chosen to follow you yet, would you call them to yourself right now? Would you give them courage to check that box and to say, today, I start in this journey. Today, I give my life to Jesus. Today, I become a follower. And then would you call the rest of us to get above servanthood and to become friends, sons and daughters, right now in this week. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.